Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. to another episode of Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Michael Kane. Maybe you know who Michael is. Maybe you don't. We've certainly seen him in interviews and seen him leading the way in the state of New York where he has fought the mandates on teachers. He's also become a grassroots activist for children's health defense, which we, as you, if you've listened to our podcast, you guys know we follow them closely because they will put out the science. They will put out the evidence. They bring their receipts for the things that they say. So it has been a resource that the three of us have used quite a bit, but he founded Teachers for Choice, teachersforchoice.org. You can go there to learn more about it, but We wanted to have Michael on because he is an expert in fighting now because of his experience. He's an expert in fighting the mandates for the vaccine for teachers in New York. But by fighting it, and because I know this from listening to other interviews with you, Michael, but in fighting the mandate, you've learned so much more about what's really going on here. And of course, as you know, and we know when you dig, You start to find the money trails. You start to find the corruption that's at hand. So we'd love for you to tell, because we know not all of our listeners, our listeners are in multiple countries, so not everybody knows your particular story. Tell us how how this all happened for you. You were a special ed teacher in New York, and then what happened? (laughs) Yeah, so I was exactly a special ed teacher for over 14 years uh, in New York City. And in August of 2020, uh, we had just come off of lockdown. It was remote learning. I was teaching kids um, via Zoom and such, which was a nightmare for special ed kids. Sometimes I would just get on and and we would just do riddles for a half hour just to try to see uh, a child smile, which was more important to me at that time. But then we came back uh, and I came back. Some teachers had remote accommodations. I didn't. I, I came in and I was working in person. And my union, the New York City Teachers Union, said if I didn't get a COVID test every week, that I would be taken out of my job. And in August of 2020, that set off alarm bells for me that I knew then forced vaccination was coming. It was just a matter of time. Um, and so we formed the group Teachers for Choice and we sued New York City over testing requirements, COVID testing requirements. And um, in our first lawsuit, what I actually asked, I thought wasn't even a controversial question. I said, um, what happens to my specimen? What are the privacy rights, excuse me, to my specimen? 
And crickets, nobody answered. The mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, didn't answer. The head of my union, no one was answering. And I was a little surprised. I thought it was going to be like, oh, of course your privacy rights are, you know, kept and nothing happens. But that's not what happened. So eventually we sued. We sued New York City and we won. And the judge saw it our way. What the judge did was they issued a um, stipulation to the contract. So it's as if it was in the contract itself between the company uh, Fulgent Genetics was the name of this company, uh, as if it was in the contract between them and New York City that said, you must destroy the specimen once a COVID result is found. Uh, so we were pretty happy about that. Then you fast forward 10 months later, and the sheriff, a sheriff, Villanueva from LAPD in Los Angeles, comes out in a press conference. and He says, I'm canceling the contract with our COVID test company because the FBI called me into an emergency briefing where they said our specimens, the DNA could be banked, could even make it to China because this company has close relationships with China. And the company's name is Fulgent Genetics. <laughs> so it was the company that we had sued originally. It was the concern that we had originally had that nobody was even thinking about in this. And as, as you, you, know, you said in the intro, as you go through the layers of this COVID thing, there are so many multiple layers of what's really happening beneath the surface. So that's the first thing that we uncovered was some of the scams. And not every COVID testing company is doing this. I don't, I don't want to defame every single one. Fulgent Genetics, very, very questionable company. And the thing that really set off alarm bells for us was Fulgent Genetics, the testing was just a side thing. Their main business was making libraries of DNA specimen. And in my opinion, they saw an opportunity by going into the COVID testing where they could fill uh, their DNA libraries. Yeah. Wow. I mean, makes a lot of sense, right? And we've heard Naomi Wolf, in fact, when we interviewed her a couple of weeks ago, she talked about how she had found the connection to Pfizer to China, right? So that there is some ownership with Pfizer that ties it back to China, which we didn't know about uh, two years ago. And now that sense being revealed, you're you're talking about um, Fulgent having ties back to China. And you guys, you can Google this. Like we just watched a, we just watched a news clip earlier from LA when they came out and said, there's ties back to China to this testing. And again, and again, America, this is where you have to get informed. This is where it is urgent that you get informed. You need to understand China, the Chinese Communist Party, and their intentions toward the West. And where- I, I actually, I actually, sorry to interrupt, but I actually, as concerned as I am about China, because they have clearly shown they want to lead the, the future wave and the cutting edge of DNA data banking. I am equally concerned about Homeland Security. They too are data banking DNA and taking it as well too. So this was just one we happen to uncover with a good lawsuit with a good lawyer. How many other ones are there? How many data bank libraries are there throughout the world that are collecting and what are they doing with it? That's what what are their ask. plans? Like what and this might be a dumb question, but you know, for it's like what does that even mean? Like data banking DNA. Like does that what are they how do they use it? That's a great, that's a great question. Because there's there's two main ways. I'll start with two sort of main umbrellas. One way is identification, right? So they can identify you, they can identify things uh, about uh, your heritage, things that might be good in your traits, bad in your traits, weaknesses about you as an individual. But the other thing that they can do is they can disidentify the 
DNA from you and say, okay, so we're going to take this DNA. We're not going to keep Michael Caine's identity with it, but we are going to experiment with it. We are going to build new biotech products. We are going to do all kinds of things with the DNA. Both are illegal without consent. Both of those things must require consent. And what Fulgen Genetics was doing, to my knowledge, to the best I've researched this, is they said they were going to use your DNA disidentified. It was on their website. They actually said, we might use your DNA all across the world in perpetuity and across the universe, however we want, but not connected to your identity. So the, fir the first thing for me is like, well, how much do I believe that, right? It, are we sure about that? But the second thing is just, I don't care. I didn't give you consent to use my DNA. I was taking a COVID test. That's the only point of this. So those are the two main things. And then people can, experts greater than I can go into all the different uh, details of, of how uh, DNA is going to be very important now and in the future. Yeah. And I also want to just remind people too, speaking of DNA, that we were told that mRNA vaccines would not affect our DNA. We now have the evidence that it in fact does um, affect your DNA. And so again, it just kind of what you're saying, Michael, we're not experts on this. You know, none of us are experts on this, but we, we do think there needs to be greater clarification and understanding with what, what's going on here, because all of it just doesn't feel right. And again, your DNA belongs to you. Yeah, and, and what you just brought up, uh, the, the great Dr. Peter McCullough just came out and pointed directly to the science and said, we now have the science that shows mRNA means messenger RNA. And what that means is in your body, it's designed to go to into a cell, into your DNA, send a message, and then bring it back and to change things. Um, why would anybody not suspect <laughs> that this might change your DNA. And it appears that we now know we have the evidence that, that sadly it does. That's right. We just need more transparency. I mean, how are we going to trust anybody if they continue to lie and then they continue to cover it up even when you prove it to them and they're like, oh, they're wrong. You know, it's just so ridiculous. Well, just this, is, this, is where, this is where, um, you know, you mentioned Children's Health Defense, who, who, who I, I proudly work for. Um, I've been following Bobby D. Kennedy for years. I've been following people like a, a Dr. Gary Knoll for over 20 years. Yeah, there we go. The real Anthony Fauci you just held up. Our Bible over at, over at Children's Health Defense, uh, Bobby Kennedy's book. Um, but there's others who have come before as well too. And the lies are so pervasive and they are so ingrained into our culture. Um, you have to, in, in my opinion, you have to assume the mainstream is lying to you until they prove that they are telling you the truth. And the way I've come to that is I've seen so many different things from um, uh, Agent Orange. That was a lie the government told about veterans that, no, no, it doesn't cause any problems. Yeah, it does. Uh, it causes cancer. It causes a lot of things. Uh, Roundup was sworn to be fine. Well, Bobby Kennedy and others were involved in lawsuits proving, no, it causes cancer. So these organizations like Children's Health Defense, uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, Gary Noel runs Progressive Radio Network. They've earned my trust because I've followed them for decades and I've seen their track record is, is pretty damn good compared to what I'm getting uh, from the mainstream. So I know we're all coming in at different places, right? Like some people just learned about this deception come COVID. Some people had ideas before and such, but I encourage people to find those voices that you trust, follow, follow their record. How, how well did they do over the years in getting right. things right and getting things correct? And, and that, that's who you have to align with and who you have to support.
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Okay, so we have to ask you because we, the three of us, obviously opted out. There was no mandate put on us, but we knew there could be. You know, we we didn't know how far this thing was going to go here in North Carolina. Um, so, so what made you willing to stick your neck out? First of all, to say no to the vaccine, but yeah. then to stick your neck out and say no. Not only am I saying no to it, but I will help lead the charge to help others feel empowered to say no as well. Where did that come from? So I've been following information like this for a long time. In New York, what happened, the biggest thing was on June 13th, 2019, the uh, state uh, legislature in, in Albany, our capital, got rid of the religious exemption of vaccination for children in 2019. One month after that happened, I put out uh, a petition online on change.org. It's still at teachersforchoice.org where I said we were against vaccine mandates for educators because we knew they were coming. This was six months before anyone heard the term COVID. Mm. We knew it was already coming. There was already discussions about vaccines. And when I talked to my colleagues, they said, Mike, which vaccine are they gonna force on us? I said, I don't know, flu vaccine might be easy. The MMR, there was a measles scare in New York that really turned out to be a fake scared it to, to get rid of this religious exemption. Um, which vaccines are going to be, Mike? Which one? I mean, who knew? I couldn't know. I didn't know it was the one that didn't exist yet, right? But it was already up on my radar that it was going to happen. So, uh, and then I had heard on a report from James Corbett, who has uh, the Corbett report. And he said, know your line and know it now. What is your line? Is your line putting the mask on your face? Is it taking a test even if you know you don't need it? Is it getting the injection? Is it being locked down in your house? And that resonated with me. And I knew I put I put masks on. I've done it um, very few times, but I took tests in certain situations of not getting injected. It goes completely against all of my sincerely held beliefs. I don't care what happens. So I determined that very, very early on. I talked to my wife about it. It was a, it was a firm line in the sand. So when it came the plan just kind of started to unfold because I knew there was no there was no turning back. And luckily, and thank God, I was in touch with great people like Mary Holland, who's the president of Children's Health Defense. She was connecting me with lawyers and we were doing a lot of litigating. So that was actually early on. And then after the litigating was going on, then we got into the streets. We started protesting in the streets and now we're continuing that and also putting pressure on politicians. It's election season now. Um, Teachers for Choice is getting involved in that. Uh, and so um, it seemed just like a natural progression because if you have a real firm conviction on something, mm -hmm. you, there is no choice but to fight. If they're coming right. after you, not, now you have to fight. Right. right, right. Well, and I think what we like to point out to people, you didn't have anything to gain um, monetarily, you, you know, reputation with your reputation. You didn't have anything to gain by taking the stand. And this is what I want critics of those of us who have taken the stand to just ask themselves, why would we do that? Why right. would we risk it all to say we're not compliant? There's got to be a strong conviction. And then where does that conviction come from? You know, and um, thank God you were educated. Honestly, Michael, thank God you were educated on the risks of other vaccines, which would make you not buy in. That was for me too. I was very educated on vaccines in general. So I I knew I was not going to be quick to take one. I knew I had uh, health concerns uh, and had blood clots in pregnancy, for example. I was like, no, I, I don't, you know, this was, a, this was a concern with me even getting COVID, you know, much less uh, taking a shot where there's, that's a side effect, right? And so 
Um, so once you make the stand and you say, okay, we're going all in. And you mentioned the litigation. You were, thank God you had some resources to help really shore you up to make this fight, you know, on behalf of yourself and so many others. But what happened next? Like when, when did they finally say, you said, I'm not vaccinating. You know, you're back at school. I'm not vaccinating. Then what did, the, what did New York do to you next? All right. So the timeline. So um, the I do a whole year, <clears throat> excuse me, teaching in person, no vaccine. Um, we do that. We get through the year. And then when we're coming back, there's a vaccine in August 2021. Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City announces it's going to be mandatory. We hold a rally at City Hall. We get over 3000 people there. Got a lot of attention. Um, we get the ball rolling. And when in my actual school, I love my school. I love my former school now. I was fired. Um, I love my principal. You know, my principal brought me into the office to have the talk and she cried. I mean, she didn't make the decision. You know, I was, I was well-respected and loved in my school. Now there's plenty of teachers that were glad to see my dirty unvaccinated butt go, right? That, that was there too. But there was also ones who got kicked out just like I did. And there was also ones who respected it. And then there's ones who were given high fives in the hallway when no one looks at they. I, I have no choice. I'm a single mother. I'm a single father. I got this. I got that. I have to do this. I hope you win. Good luck. You know? Um, so that, I mean, there's tens of thousands of teachers like that minimum just in, in New York city itself. Um, so as it was going, I mean, I was always prepping for what was next. We, we, we were already working on the lawsuit prior to it happening, collecting all of the data, collecting all of the documents, and so because of all the pressure we put on, the one thing my crooked union did correct is they fought for religious and medical exemptions and they got them. New York City didn't want anything at all, but our union fought for them and got them. So I applied for a religious exemption to vaccination. All religious exemptions to vaccinations were denied immediately, every single one in the first step. So then I appealed. In the appeal process, there was um, a few thousand that appealed. I got a Zoom hearing and in the Zoom hearing, New York City's attorney looked at me and said, since the Pope recommends vaccination and since the Dalai Lama is himself vaccinated, Mr. Kane needs to be vaccinated. Now, the reason this man said this was because I grew up in a household of Catholicism and Buddhism. And when you present a religious exemption to vaccination, it's like nine pages of your whole life. You know, like I was born in a household and you go through the whole thing. And that's what I did. And since these lawyers and these administrative people had read my life story and now we're determining um, what should happen, that's what they said. And there was a major, major problem there. Um, in America, religion don't work like that. It doesn't matter what any man says, any institution, any building, any text says, because that fundamentally goes against the First Amendment. And so, and, and everybody was having that happen in New York City. So that created a good foundation for a lawsuit, which now has extended 10 months. We have many minor victories, but never gotten our jobs back. Um, and the, the school system had to admit that they put forth an unconstitutional religious exemption process, but nevertheless, it's still 10 months into the fight with no decision. Wow. So they're, it's almost like a stay, right? Like they're just like, like, like buying time or something to what not they're hoping what New York city is hoping in my opinion is to tire us out. They want to tire out our resolve, tire out. Our Good luck with that. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, steal in my fire. And meanwhile, who's losing here? <laughs> Who is losing here? Right. The kids. The special needs kids 
that you were qualified. It, it takes a certain type of person. Like, I feel like angels. Like well, to be a teacher in general. To be a teacher in general, but, but, to, <laughs> but to be able to connect and help kids with special needs. You're yeah. just going to let somebody go who excels in that profession because, I mean, you don't care about the kids, period. Well, in, in New York, New York City has years, years, decades track history, a track record of not caring about kids. So I'm not shocked about that. In my school, I'm pretty sure they never even replaced me. Uh, substitutes would come sometimes. Now, next year's a new school year. It, that, that, it, it, might, it might be different. They might get a real uh, trained teacher. But you're absolutely right. The kids suffered absolutely the most of all, more than anybody else from any of this situation. They've been an afterthought in New York City. And it really, really has been uh, a shame. And, and, and I, I believe uh, it's been a crime what's happened to the kids in New York City and, and, and many other, many other uh, major cities um, as well, too. And one of the other things, one of the individuals who I love so much who stood with me uh, in this, who, who lost his job as well, too, and went through this, is the greatest history teacher I've ever met in my life. And as an educator, I've met a lot of educators. I've met a, met a lot of teachers and this guy just knows how to do it. And you're losing free thinkers. You're losing critical thinkers. You're losing people who are willing to say no to unjust, unconstitutional, illegal laws. And that feels like it's a plan too, all the way up to our NYPD. NYPD in New York City right now has 4,000 pending religious exemptions to vaccination. And they're firing 200 cops a week in the middle of a crime wave in New York City that's debilitating the city. That's the extent that they're going to with these insane mandates that don't even make scientific sense. It's like, tell me you don't care without telling me you don't care. <laughs> you know, like actions speak louder than words. And they, I mean, well, shoot, they're even telling us what they're doing, basically, you know? And then to for the vaccine mandates to be coming or have they actually said for kids and right so, so they talked about it yeah so so for kids in new york city right and in new york it's in discussions there's some leaks and some rumors new york city says they're they're considering it for september but we also have an election in november and um i think that there's a number of people who are thinking twice about that would be you know, dumb very unpopular vaccine mandate right before you're trying to get people to to reelect you so um yeah that's 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 still up in the air one other thing it just came to my mind in new york city i don't know if you know or your audience knows but when mayor adams came in after de blasio we now have mayor eric adams um he actually instituted a carve out for all athletes and performers they don't have to show vaccination status to have their jobs. You know what this means? This means strippers in New York City can work unvaccinated, but garbage men, teachers, and firemen cannot work unvaccinated. Now, listen, God bless the New York City stripper who is has her or his job and doesn't have to be vaccinated. I have no complaint about that. But where is it for the teacher and the garbage man wow. and the fire? That even makes sense scientifically. Uh, you are a stripper on a pole. What are you? But now I know there's other things that happen. But if you were dancing with a pole, come on. <laughs> so, so basically, your your essential workers. There's a mandate. Your non-essential workers, your entertainers, there's no mandate. Well, don't offend like, them, Holly. Don't offend them. They may be I'm essential. Sorry. I just, 
You know what I mean. <laughs> you need to have teachers. And they may be essential to some people. That's the highlight of the show right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, but, one thing that I was going to point out is like the lawsuit, the Pennsylvania lawsuit with the healthcare workers. I'm really hoping that sets the precedent for where they were awarded, when in Pennsylvania, where they were awarded, the t- or where was it? $10 million. $10 million. Pennsylvania? I thought it was Illinois. I thought it was Maybe Illinois. Illinois. Okay, don't, I'll, get, I'll find the actual, but either way. Not ringing a bell. So, but I do know, I, I do know some of the facts on that. It was $10.3 million awarded to 500 healthcare workers who religious exemptions were, were not even not even considered. They didn't even offer any exemption process. That's one private hospital who has determined, their lawyers have determined, it is gonna hurt us more to fight this than to just settle and give them their jobs back. So this is unprecedented. This is an amazing win. It's not a one-for-one comparison to what's happening in New York City. Also what's unfolding in Los Angeles. I just interviewed teachers in Los Angeles who are all about to lose their jobs. They're that far away. They're just inches away. Uh, it moves faster for us in New York City than it did for them. But yes, it, it definitely sets a good precedent. We did have one teacher in New York City get her job back with back pay and she's getting uh, her religious wow. exemption accepted because that we're fighting with children's health defense in federal court, trying to set a very broad, big federal precedent Yes. Never know, could even go to the Supreme Court. But this individual actually went through labor law and fought it through contract. And uh, that also set a good precedent. Every victory helps, uh, but it's it's a long road. Uh, it's a long road when you go through the courts to find justice. It takes time. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things we thought was very interesting, too, is when your cases were coming up to be heard, we found out that the judges had some conflicts of interest. Can you talk more about what you discovered in trying to just get a judge for your for your case? Yeah. So the the case started in October of 2021, and we were giving given a justice, Valerie Caproni. Um, she oversaw the case. She ruled against us, and we appealed to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, and they overturned her ruling. They overturned her ruling and said she ruled incorrectly that the religious exemption process the city put us through was unconstitutional. So they didn't give us our job back. They said, let's do it again. We'll do a do-over. They did a do-over and basically all of us got denied again. So we're still continuing to sue. However, what's significant though, is that a few months after that, my attorney, Sujata Gibson, God bless Sujata, I love her so much. She came to me and she said, Michael, it looks like Valerie Caproni owns Pfizer stock, 50 to $100,000 of Pfizer stock. I said, Sujata, we got to get this out there right now. She said, we can't. We only have the 2019 disclosure. So there's, at the time, they didn't have to disclose 2020 or 2021. So she waited until she got the 2020 disclosure. And lo and behold, she still owned fifty dollars to $100,000 of Pfizer. So my attorneys asked her to recuse herself, which she did in about two days. We then got another judge, a Judge Ramos. Judge Ramos also owned Pfizer but also AstraZeneca, uh, companies affiliated with Moderna, um, Merck, GSK, Sanofi, he owned it all. He owned like the whole suite of big pharma stocks. We asked him to recuse himself. The, the close of business didn't even happen. He, he, got, he recused himself right away. And then we got a Justice Naomi Bushwald. Um, and when we looked into her disclosures, she owned up to a quarter of a million dollars in Pfizer stock. So again, 
our attorneys asked her to recuse herself and she said no. And then uh, we asked for more information. Well, why wouldn't you do it? And what her final response was, on the day I was assigned this case, I did not own the stock. So she is the presiding judge currently. We hope and pray that she will oversee the case wisely and fairly. But we do not know uh, if she sold the stock the day before uh, she got the assignment. Uh, we, we put in requests to have her disclosures uh, brought up up to date because we only know 2020 and she's making other claims. So um, it's interesting. And it's also interesting that a lot of people have said, is there any judge that doesn't own big pharma stocks? <laughs> Could they even get one? Right. Uh, well, this, I was making this point is a question before we got on because, you know, I was like playing devil's advocate, although these people are in higher positions than we are for sure. And they should know. But, you know, I don't know what stocks I own. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you kind of like, you know, a financial advisor who you trust them to kind of diversify your income and stuff. I mean, I guess maybe I should know, but there might be people that just don't know because if they have a financial advisor kind of moving their money around. But in this case, I do understand if you're a judge presiding over a court case that has to do with that, you probably shouldn't have any conflict of interest. Right, right, right. correct. So they're required to disclose. So they sit down and they fill out this disclosure form. And if they if they have to go to their financial advisor, whoever it is, they do it. Uh, in, in particular, these weren't like mutual funds. This was direct ownership mm. of the stock itself, right? Which if they owned a fund that maybe was in, invested in some pharma and some final, you know, okay. that's a little bit of a different thing. But these are direct ownerships um, of the stock. So we had someone in um, on the legal team check every single judge in 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 the uh, I believe it's the Southern District Court, yeah, in New York, the federal court, Southern District, and it turned out about fifty five percent of them owned big pharma stocks, but the other side of that means forty five percent didn't. So they have a whole chunk of justices to pick for us that don't have a conflict of interest. But for some reason, they keep not picking the right ones. Hmm. And they claim New York Times covered this. The New York Times actually got interested in this story and did a, a I can't believe I'm going to say this, a very good report from the <laughs> New York Times that covered this fairly. When they called the court, they said the judges were picked randomly. So it's fascinating to me that we had three random big pharma owners picked to oversee our case, fascinating. It should be. I don't. I, I like the random, but I like the random if it, if they eliminate the conflicts of interest. So if you're saying that these judges fill out this form, is this prior to them being appointed? So if they fill out something that shows, you know, or is this after they've been appointed, and it's, then you find out, um, like you said, your lawyer discovered it, so she had to have been. Is that what you said, right? This, so so like, it's it's required that they fill it out. It's about a year behind. It's but like not required if anybody looks at it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, no, no, you nailed it. You nailed it right on the head because we, we looked at it. My attorneys looked at it. No one in the court's looking at it. No one's paying attention to it. But to me, this is just my opinion. Um, I could be wrong. But to me, I don't think anybody knows which judges uh, own big pharma stock. What I think right. they know is which judges tend to rule in favor of major corporations and major city interests. And that's how their random picks yeah. end up going. I could be wrong on that, but that's my opinion. Yeah, we don't think you're probably that wrong on that. Actually, Michael, I think that we've learned from experience now. Our eyes are blown wide open. 
Um, I, I do think that I spend most days with my jaw on the floor and almost like a cartoon, just like, oh my, like how? And then we're like, how are we still surprised at this? Like, exactly. you know, you're just like, well, doesn't surprise me. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And, I, you know, even things like how the reporting out of other countries, why the United States being the beacon of light into the world and how you pretty much do everything, why we cannot look at science anymore, because our science is clearly corrupted, but we don't even trace, like, for example, we're not doing a good job of reporting on vaccine injury. We just keep trying to discredit theirs, but we're not reporting on it. But you can go into other countries, um, you know, like right, England, the Netherlands, uh, right, Canada even admitted last week that there's more people hospitalized and dying from COVID that are vaccinated. And, mm -hmm. and yet no one- Yet Fauci it. says the complete opposite and scares everybody. And most people are not gonna go look up and fact check Fauci. The people who are watching and believing everything that he says definitely aren't going to go fast. So, 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 I'm, so I, I, I agree with you, but I think there's a real silver lining here. You know, I really believe even Fauci and, and the mainstream media are much more of a puppet show than anything of substance. Let's look, let's look at the mainstream media. I mean, CNN is not even getting a million viewers yeah. per episode. Who's getting the viewers? Joe Rogan, Rogan. is getting yes. 12 yes. million views, 12 million views per episode. This and when they just think, <laughs> one day just take the podcast no i'm just kidding just, yeah there you go but just think right now i'm stuck on just think no, no. but 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 think about this joe rogan is the number one newsman in america i mean there's tucker carlson's like 3.5 million views and god bless tucker he does some great work but he does he doesn't even come close to Joe Rogan. So they want to puppet and tell us that. Like, I almost feel like sometimes I see these, these mainstream news shows or Fauci, I almost feel like I see the hand up their ass and the, the puppet show that's going on. But they just want us to believe it and to hypnotize enough people to not realize bare minimum. I mean, 12 times the amount of people watching this episode are listening to Joe Rogan, who's having Peter McCullough on, uh, who's mentioning Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s right. book. Uh, who's bringing on Dr. Robert Malone, who's just bringing on all types of thinkers and different ways of putting things. So yeah. there is a lot more resistance and free thinking going on than they want any of us to believe. Absolutely. Yeah. Did y'all see um, yesterday, I have to bring this up, the New York Times actually uh, posted this article that it says how some parents changed their politics in the pandemic. It says they, they were once Democrats and Republicans, but fears for their children in the pandemic transformed their thinking, turning them into single issue voters for November's midterms. And this is a little snippet. It says, nearly half of Americans oppose masking and a similar share is against vaccine mandates for school children, polls show. But what is obscured in those numbers is the intensity with which some parents have embraced these views. While they once described themselves as Republicans or Democrats, they now identify as independents who plan to vote based solely on vaccine policies. Mm. That is, and that's the New York Times. That's the paper of record, all the news that's fit to print. And at the top of that article, they had a picture of Defeat the Mandates, Washington, D.C., an event that I helped to organize where we got over so 40,000 people to show up. And right after that event happened, what happened? Philadelphia, Boston, um, Washington, D.C. itself, and New York City, their vaccine passports all fell. 
after that event. And so you're definitely seeing this rise of the single issue voter that is more concerned over bodily autonomy and sovereignty than anything else. I'm going to add one thing there that the, the, the New York Times didn't really say. Right now in this climate, the majority of these people are leaning towards Republican and conservative candidates, not because they align with everything that's going on in that platform, but because for some reason, the Republicans are the only one right now scooping up the common sense that the Democrats have left behind to come up with these novel ideas that like maybe we'll let people have some choice. Maybe we won't force an experimental shot into people. How about, I mean, it's, it's not genius. It's actually like pretty simple common sense stuff that's going on. And I think um, there's no question as we head into November, this issue uh, of mandates is is going to be be the uh, the, the tipping issue in, in a number of elections, I'm convinced. And, and as it should be, because I think it's to your point, it's the it's the Republicans who are tending to fight more, although we can tell you there's a lot of Republicans who are in bed with these big pharma, no question. And that's been sure. awesome. they've been awfully silent when their their mouth should have been running and they should have been fighting with policy and they have failed. But I'm gonna tell you what it also is, Michael, and you touched on this and Amy, you did too. Don't F with our kids. Yeah. <laughs> Do not F with our kids. And that's what will bring a fighter out of you. It will turn a liberal mama into a Republican voter because she wants you to protect her children. It's and like, I, what's your line? What's what, your line what, what, where's your line in the sand? You know, and that, that is bringing the mama bears out. It truly is. And the mama, mama daddies and all, everybody. But, <laughs> but um, there was something I was going to say when you, oh God, I'll have to think about it because, oh, when, when they are, if they're worried about the, the, the issues, you know, doing a mandate before the term, obviously making it political, but then if they get voted and then do mandates it, and then people are like, we're just following the science. You don't follow this. It's just like when they say, oh, well, we're going to enforce the mask policy or or drop the mask policy in two weeks. Like, <laughs> so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's going to be safe in two weeks. But until then, you have to wear a mask everywhere you go. You know, like it does not make sense. It just yeah. makes you think. It, it's all political. Mm. It is all 100% political for sure. This is not about public health is not about science. And the thing is that those who have dug in on this issue really, really deep, how can they dig themselves out? How can they come and say, oh, wow, we, we got everything wrong. We got it all completely wrong. And this is a very dangerous position because I believe there are at least thousands, tens of thousands of people in power, of politicians all throughout America that are stuck knowing they're wrong. And it's not even cognitive dissonance, I don't think. They're actively lying to, to save their own butts in this. Well, the, the fallout, who was that? Somebody was talking to Dr. Drew. I saw that a clip. It was um, they were they were saying that exact same thing that um at this point to backtrack and at this point to say, oh, we know you lost your job, we know you've been injured, you know, we were wrong, we got it wrong, and we, you know, the fallout would be so immense. It would be so chaotic that they just, it's almost like they just have to take it to the grave. They, well, yeah. But we ain't letting them. No. And, and <laughs> that's like, just like communist Germany, we, you know, there better be an accounting at some point uh, for these people who intentionally lied and manipulated for reasons I will never understand. Greed, I'm sure, was a big part of it. Or fear of losing. See, fear. Fear was the yeah. thing that was always there, right? 
Yeah. Fear that you're going to die of the disease. Fear that you're going to lose your job. Fear that you're going to lose your power. Fear that you're going to lose your freedom. Like fear has been the pervasive evil of, of, of the last two years that has controlled and manipulated everything. But yeah, I, I, I am not okay with people not paying for this. And I am a forgiving person, but this is like, uh, this has gone too far. So, so the, uh, Edward Dowd, uh, who's like apex capitalist, right? I think he even managed BlackRock's uh, accounts at one point. So he's just a Wall Street whiz and genius. Um, he's the one that's been coming out pointing to data from an investment standpoint, saying that this is the biggest fraud we've ever witnessed is with the, the Pfizer's COVID vaccine and, and Moderna's vaccine, um, possibly J&J too, he points to. Um, and there will be a day of reckoning. Now, there are others who point to other things that have happened historically, in, including uh, problems with some of the vaccines on the childhood schedule and what have happened there to, to injured children and injured adults as well, too, from other vaccines and say it didn't happen there. Why do you have so much faith that will happen here? And Edward's response is this is too big. This one is too big. There's going to be a tipping point where eventually when you hit that tipping point, it's just all going to roll downhill. I don't know what I think on this. I, I, I think uh, Edward Dowden makes a really good case. He could be right. But right now for me, it's a coin flip. It's 50-50. Mm -hmm. It could go either way. We could continue this mass formation psychosis. Um, and, and what is that going to mean? More of a wedge, more of a division within our society, sadly, or... Maybe there will be that day of reckoning. Maybe uh, we will be able to um, begin healing, begin really healing as a society and as a people. We, we need to, because again, we're going to destroy ourselves from within. And I, wow. and I do think that's our enemy's, you know, I think that's our enemy's goal, right? If, if China wanted to destroy America, it knew militarily that was going to be a much harder thing to do. There's a lot of people wiser than me and more knowledgeable than me of the CCP, and of history that have said, no, it's always been their goal was to systematically, methodically, and over time, create enough division within us. I mean, Joe Rogan talks about this, how the, um, the bots that run the accounts of the polarizing, so far left, far right people, when they're traced back, it's like 70 some percent or more belong, were rooted in China. No, I, I definitely believe that. Um, and then, then even bigger than that, um, you know, when, when you look at Wuhan and, and, and the viruses that were under manipulation there and genetic modification, um, you know, Fauci and the United States were invested, were involved. It's a, so there's these other greater players over nation states, over the United States, over China that just have this big chessboard in front of them. And they have the power and ability to manipulate it in, in, in multiple ways. So um, it's, it's a really deep, difficult problem to dissect but for sure right now it definitely starts with reckoning with the reality of what we just did to our kids over the past two years what we've just done to individuals health what we rush to when vaccines don't make it to market for five to 20 years this vaccine's not even a year and a half old right now <laughs> and we're trying to get into billions of people we, we, we definitely need to face up to that and i'm hopeful that it could happen
Well, you know, well, and you talked about the silver lining and I do think this, there, there's a lot of good that has come out of this yes. uh, because honestly, I think it made our families closer because we had to be at home, <laughs> you know, but it brought a lot of people like us, like-minded people. It, it showed me what I would fight for. It shows me yeah. what I would stand up for. It got my head out of the sand. I learned a lot of things that I almost wish I didn't know, but once you know, you don't know, you know? I mean, once you know, you can't unknow. And I do think that it's unifying so many people. And it's showing me, like, I feel like I'm on the right side because I would so much rather be aligned with everybody that we are talking to who are willing to fight than the people who are just wanting to be complacent and compliant. Yeah. And those are the people I want. So even though it's weeded out some of the people in my life, it shows you it shows you the true people that, that really need to be there. Like, I don't need them. If they don't need me, if they can't be my friend because of disagreements, then go, you know, it's setting boundaries. But I think like one more, one thing I wanted to pull up just when we we're talking about, I know we keep looking, there's definitely China involvement, all this stuff and all this corruption, but I want to always bring up this um, Abraham Lincoln quote, which you've talked about before, Holly, you know, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. And I think if everybody could be unified in the fact that like we need to fight for our country within our country, yeah. that even no matter what other countries are doing, if we can be unified to fight for this. And it, when it comes to our children, I do think that that's where it started, you know, like where it started, like opening more people's eyes with the teachers and the kids. You know, it, I don't know why it didn't with the healthcare workers and the police leaving. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Well, and I think that's the important thing, right, is that we, what we are fighting for beyond mandates, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, Michael, but I just think from our conversations and listening to you talk, it's beyond a mandate, it's beyond a vaccine. It's about the fact that if we don't fight for freedom to make choices for ourselves, we will lose them. The government doesn't take freedoms and then just hand them back to you. Okay, right. Once it's been taken, it's gone. And that's what we're fighting for. We're also fighting for the right for you to disagree with us, for you to say we're crazy. We will champion your right to do that. We want freedom of speech to stand too. And we want the censorship to end. Now, don't call it dangerous language just because it makes you uncomfortable <laughs> or it doesn't align with you. This is, this, is so, this is so important. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a progressive unionist. I, I grew up in, in a, my father's a bricklayer was a bricklayer. My mother was a letter carrier. I have over a dozen teachers in my family. I have never in my life voted for a Republican. All right. So, so that's where I come from, right? I, I don't understand where the, I don't agree with you, but I will fight for your right to say what you have to say. I don't understand where that went. That was a democratic principle. That was a liberal yes. principle. There's so many of these foundational liberal beliefs that my father instilled in me that I've now seen over the past 10 years, at least just dissipate in, in unimaginable ways. And I, I agree completely this, th there cannot be this fear of words as if they're harmful. We need to embrace harmful words. This is the part, th this is what the first amendment is about. We need to be willing to be uncomfortable and to be wrong and to be corrected and to change our mind. And none of that is going to happen if we are stopping free and fair exchange of ideas, 100%. Absolutely. 
Well, Michael, we know you're still in the the fight. Obviously, the legal fights that you're you're uh, you're in are not over yet. We are cheering for you every step of the way. But what we'd love for you to share with our listeners and with us is, what's your best advice for someone that's listening right now, and they're like, I want to do something. Mm. But I'm not in a lawsuit. I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not even personally affected by mandates right now, but I want to do something. What do you tell them? What can they do to help the fight? If anybody is in the state of New York, reach out to Teachers for Choice, teachersforchoice.org. Our, our work is really limited uh, to New York. And we don't just represent teachers. We, we work with teachers, parents firefighters, healthcare workers, uh, everybody that is concerned with this issue. If you are in any other stretch of the country or the world, you want to go to childrenshealthdefense.org. Mm -hmm. uh, Children's Health Defense has chapters all throughout America, all throughout the world. Send an email, send a brief email just saying where you are, what your interest is, what you'd like to connect with. And we'll figure out a way to get you in touch with people that are making a difference right now, people who've been making a difference long before we even knew a difference needs to be made, you know, those, those uh, groundbreaking, groundbreaking leaders that have just, you know, sometimes I call them OG medical freedom yeah. fighters. They've been there yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for, for so long, but connect with these organizations that you can trust that are doing good work and be prepared to get some guidance from them, but then do. And there's one other thing. Yeah. There's one other thing. This is election season. It is so important that every person that brought the past two-year nightmare to us pays, pays, yeah. no matter who they are, they must pay. And this isn't about perfection. Politics is not perfection. You're not going to get perfection in a political solution. The political solution is not the ultimate solution. But if these tyrants can do what they did in the past two years and get reelected, what do you think the next four are going to look like? What do you think is going to happen to us? So even yeah. if you don't agree with everything coming out of a platform, you really need to vote to punish the tyrants that tried to destroy our country. That's yeah. critical. Every Amen. incumbent, every incumbent that did not take a stand for your freedoms needs to go. It doesn't matter what yep. party they're in. Not Alicia. It is time to clean house. Clean it. Clean it up. Yes. We're, we're hopeful. We're hopeful that that's going to happen. We know there have been some social issues that have brought to the forefront through a variety of events this year that have it looks like, according to the polling, is starting to affect people who were ready to make those sweeping changes. Um, but we got to remember that, again, um, this, this pandemic's not going away if we don't get rid of the people creating it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. We got yeah. to give out. Break the cycle. <laughs> well, Very Michael, well said. It is such a pleasure to talk with you. We're going to be following you, championing you, supporting you, anything we can do. You let us know. But yes. um, we're in the fight with you, buddy, and we appreciate you for giving us your time. This, this was so much fun. It was great to, to have this conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I can't wait to come back sometime. Yes, yes please, please do. Anytime. Always welcome. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate with you soon. Thank All you right. so much, Michael. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. See you guys.